In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, You all have heard it said before, I know, that there is strength in numbers. And how many of you would agree with that, that there is strength in numbers? Yeah, I think uh, we can all agree on that. Uh, I I think we've all experienced how true that is. Uh, I know from talking with many of you that you've experienced the strength that comes from numbers firsthand in some really powerful ways. I know some of you have been a part of of different support groups, uh, maybe a grief support group. And you drew strength from that. I know from talking to you that you did that it's really hard to grieve and mourn alone. And so you gathered together with other people who were grieving and mourning just like you were. And there was strength in those numbers to know that there were other people who got what you were going through and were going through it at the same time. And I know from talking to some of you, you can't imagine having to do that alone. You drew strength from numbers. Uh, I, I would guess those of you who are parents, Uh, find this to be true, right? That's why we uplift and encourage and are just wowed by single parents so much, right? Because it's hard to be a single parent and and there's strength in numbers. And uh, even when there is a mom and a dad around, right? Sometimes you got to call grandma and grandpa and say, we need backup. We can't do this anymore, right? We need a little more strength. Uh, They say that it takes a village to raise a child, right? There's strength in numbers. Uh, I think we've all experienced this maybe on uh, a more mundane level too, right? We've uh, we've all gotten that dreaded phone call. Uh, it usually comes with the promise of pizza and beer. Uh, it's the call asking us to help move, pack boxes, or maybe paint a house, right? It's not how we would choose to spend a weekend, but we know that that's something you can't really do on your own, and, and there's strength in numbers there. It gets done a lot quicker and a lot easier uh, when there's more than one person. Uh, I learned that the hard way. Uh, shortly after Uh, We got married, my wife and I. Uh, We moved. I was starting my pastoral internship, and the church had a home for us. And I think we moved on a Tuesday or Wednesday, something like that. And uh, everyone I knew was at work or school or something, uh, and I hadn't started yet. And so I decided that uh, I was going to move by myself, that I was going to finish packing up the car, drive it to the house, clean things up, and then spend all day unloading the truck, which was not a good idea, (laughs) right? Some things just were not meant to be done alone. I learned my lesson. I will never do that again. Now I will pay someone gladly (laughs) to do that for me. And there's a reason why it's called two men in a truck, right? Not one lonely guy by himself (laughs) in a truck uh, because there's strength in numbers. We, We know this from experience that some things just aren't meant to be done alone. And if that's true, then it, it seems today in our reading like Elijah uh, was on the wrong side of things. Because it seemed today in a reading that Elijah was all by himself. And in fact, it looked like he, it was 450 to 1. 450 against one lonely man, Elijah. Uh, to get you a little caught up to our reading for today, in, in our reading, God's people, the Israelite people, have wandered far away from him. Uh, despite his love, despite his promises, they have rejected him as king over their lives. They have gone their own way. They've been sacrificing and bowing down to and worshiping all sorts of these crazy foreign gods, one of which was named Baal, and they've gotten completely off track, but not too off track for God. God is relentless in his love for them, and he is not ready to give up. He still wants that relationship with them, and, and so he is determined to, to go find them and bring them back, to turn them around so that they could be with him again, and, and, and the person he's going to use to do that is Elijah. Elijah is the last of God's prophets left. All of God's other prophets have either been killed 
by the crazy, maniacal king in charge named King Ahab and his even more evil wife, Jezebel. And, and so Elijah's the only prophet of God left. And God's going to use him to turn the people around. And the first step in that process is to get their attention. God's got to kind of waken them up before he gets them turned around. And so in order to do that, in order to, to wake them up, Elijah sets up this contest. And that's what we read about today in a reading. It's really this very dramatic, sit-on-the-edge-of-your-seat type of scene where, where Elijah has two piles of wood set up. He chops up these logs and he has them put in place. And then on top of the logs, these giant bonfires ready to go. He, he slaughters a, a bull, a cow, and he puts that on top of there. And the way the contest is going to work is that Elijah is going to pray over his fire to his God and ask his God to send down a, a flame of fire and burn up that wood and receive the sacrifice. And meanwhile, the 450 prophets, they're going to pray over their pile of wood and ask their God Baal to receive their prayer and send down fire and, and receive their sacrifice. And contest is which God is going to hear, which God is going to act, which God can send down fire from heaven. It's an amazingly dramatic scene, but it's 450 to 1. Can you imagine what it must have felt like for Elijah to be that one lonely prophet and looking across the way and seeing all of those false prophets and, and along with them the king and the queen not to mention all the rest of the people of Israel on the other side. Can you imagine how lonely that must have been? Totally outnumbered. I, I think that some of you can relate. I, I, I know that from talking to you, that being a, a Christian is often a lonely endeavor and it can feel like we're outnumbered. I, I know that some of you, you, you might be the only Christian in your family. Right? And, and you want to shine the light of Jesus and share his love. You want to be a good witness. But that's hard to do when you're the only one. It's hard enough to hold on to the faith when, when no one, the, the people closest to you, don't understand you, right? That's, that's a really hard place to be. Or, or, or maybe you're the only Christian in your, in your business, in your place of work, right? And again, you want to be bold. You, you want to be strong. You want to be the kind of Christian that invites people to church and, and shares the love of Jesus and talks about stories of what he's done in your life, right? But when you're the only one in the office that feels that way, that's hard when no one else gets you. Or, or maybe you're the only one in your group of friends and you drive to church each Sunday and you know that they're all out to brunch, <laughs> You start to wonder, well, maybe I'm the crazy one. Maybe I need to join the rest. Maybe they're on to something that I haven't figured out yet, right? Or maybe you just feel this way in the culture and society we live in. I know some of you are watching the way that our culture is changing, and it's hard for you. And you feel like, as, as a Christian, that you're being left behind in the things that you value. The world doesn't value anymore or maybe they're even antagonistic to what you value and you feel completely outnumbered as a society and your culture and, and that's a lonely place to be. Uh, but here's what the story of Elijah teaches us, I think. It teaches us that we, we might be outnumbered, 450 to 1, but we are never outpowered. We might be outnumbered, but we're never <coughs> outpowered. That's what Elijah, I think, teaches us. But let me finish the story to, to show you why. Uh, so we have these two fires of wood, uh, piles of wood, and, and there's the, the bull on top. And, and at first, Elijah just watches the 450 prophets do their thing. He just listens to them pray. And, and we heard how vigorous they were, right? They're, they're, they're screaming, they're crying, they're dancing, all so they can get Baal's attention, right? And none of it is working. And uh, Elijah, I would like 
to have met Elijah. I can't wait to meet him uh, one day, uh, that saint, uh, because he's got a, a sarcastic uh, personality. Uh, so, so he listens to them, and uh, he starts to mock them, right? He's like, what, is Baal busy? Uh, the, the way he literally says it in our translation tried to make it sound a little bit more polite by saying, is, is he busy? But the, the literal way of saying it is, what, is, is Baal off using the restroom that he can't hear you, <laughs> right? Uh, he's a, a pretty snarky fellow, this Elijah. He just mocks them ruthlessly. He makes fun of them as they dance and scream and, and try to get Baal's attention. And he watches that go on for a while, and then he begins to pray over his pile of wood. He begins to pray to his God. Before we know it, there is this flash coming down from heaven. God sends the fire, the scorching hot fire that burns so hot that we see that there's not even like a, a little piece of dust or ash left. That's how much God consumes the sacrifice. He receives that bull. And the crazy thing about it, we read about it, is that Elijah had purposely tried to make it difficult for God to do what he did. Uh, if you remember, he poured all of these gallons upon gallons upon gallons but gallons of water over his sacrifice, just completely saturating the wood, so that when God sent the fire, it would be obvious who had the power, right? And despite the fact that it was 450 to 1, we see who was really in charge. And we're reminded that it's not about how many are on your side, but it's about who is on your side. And when you have the living and active God who hears our prayers and, and then descends down into humanity, that's what gives us our power. Brothers and sisters, that's what you have too. You might feel outnumbered as a Christian sometimes. You might feel all alone, but you have that same God that, that came down to Elijah working in your life. You have God who has come into our world, not just in a flame of fire, but in, in the person of his own son, Jesus. And Jesus came to this world to live the perfect life that none of us could live and to die on the cross and to take our place and then to rise from the tomb, conquering death itself. And it is that powerful Jesus which listens to your prayers and your cries and continues to act on your behalf. And, and whether it's 450 to one or 450,000 to one, when you have Jesus on your side, you have everything you need. Because it's not about how many, it's about who and the truth is that it wasn't 450 to 1, it was 450 to 2. <laughs> Elijah and God, and the same is true for you. And having said that, though, uh, the amazing blessing of being a Christian, as we've already talked about today, is that it's not even ever just 450 to 2, because not only has God given us his son Jesus to fight on our side, but he's also surrounded us with this thing that we call the church, right? The family, the the body of Christ, he surrounded us with saints so that we're really never alone. He's, he's given us the saints of old who, who set an example for us, who teach us, who, who brought some of you to church and raised you in, in the faith. He's, he's surrounded you with current day brothers and sisters, right, who are there to love you and encourage you and just give you a hug when you need a hug. And, and then he reminds you that, that there are saints coming after you that will need you too, right, that the next generation will rely on your example, and the truth is that you maybe don't know what it's like to be a lonely Christian, and I would praise God if that's true. If you have grown up in a world, in a family, with friends that know your faith, and, and maybe you're thinking, I just don't, I can't relate to that pastor, right? I, I, I don't experience that, but, but you probably know someone who, who is experiencing that. And it's your job as God's saint 
to come around them, to go find the lonely people who feel outnumbered and overwhelmed and to, to walk into their life and to give them a hug when they need a hug and to encourage them when they need to be encouraged, to point them to the arms of Jesus where they might rest and find their hope in their life. It's together as all of these saints that we find strength, not in ourselves, but in Jesus. We find strength together as God's people in his power, in his promises, in his love for us. And so we're really never alone because we have Jesus and we have Jesus' people. And so we rejoice and we are bold and we are confident because we are never alone. In Jesus' name, amen.